Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Facebook. No Twitter. No smartphones. No podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. TV podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, and I'm joined tonight by Mr. Russell Latham and Mr. Jim Dietz. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, good, doing good. Pretty well, considering I'm, I'm doing a lot better than Shane. How about that? <laughs> yeah, twice all. dead. Uh, we're here to talk about season two as a whole and also go through some of the listener feedback. We've got a bunch, so we're probably going to hold some of it even for next episode. Uh, we're going to talk about our plans for the off season. We got some other various announcements. We got some. Uh, we got all kinds of fun stuff for you, so let's get right into it. Russ, I believe you've got our sponsor information, and we're sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service. Isn't that correct? That is correct. As always on the Walking Dead TV podcast, we are sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, where you can get all of your comics at ridiculously discounted prices. Yeah, since we've got our off-season now, you're going to have plenty of time to check out comics for The Walking Dead, because there might not be any Walking Dead on TV but there's 95 issues out of The Walking Dead in the comics right now. You can check those out. You're, we're going to have the video game coming out soon you'll have for the off-season. You're going to, of course, have this show for the off-season and uh, lots of other fun stuff. So Discount Comic Book Service and this show are two pretty good places to start. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you've seen the second season. You've seen, the, uh, the, you've seen Michonne. You'd like to know more and you'd like to read the story of Michonne and know a little bit more about what's going to be happening in the next season. You saw the prison off in the distance at the end, very end of uh, season two. You want to know why that's so important, what the story is with the prison. The comics are there and the cheapest way to get them, the best way to get them is a discount comic book service, dcbservice.com. And if you use the uh, code WD8, not only do you get the uh, incredible uh, 48 to 45 to 50% off, in some case, uh, discounts that Discount Comic Book Service gives you, you get an extra 8% on top of that. So it's insane the amount of money you can save. Uh, the code, again, is WD8, and it's for first-time users and people haven't ordered from them in over a year. DCBService.com, if you want to check out the Walking Dead comics, it's a great and cheap way to do it. Yeah, they've got this month, um, Walking Dead is double shipping, so issues 97 and 98 you can get for 40% off at $1.79. They have all of the trades resolicited. So as as with most image uh, trade paperbacks, which is issues 1 through 6, um, you get uh, you get issues 1 through 6 in Volume 1 for $5.99 after the discount. And uh, all of the other trades, 2 through 15 now, are all 40% off. And you can get them for eight ninety nine, so quite a steal. Um, other, also, this month the DC Comics they they put out their new fifty two uh, back in 
September, and they've uh, canceled six titles and added six new titles. And if you buy them all as a bundle, you can get all six titles for 50% off. So that's some of the great stuff. You can still, um, if you're listening to this as we release it in the in the first few days of April, you could still, if you hurry real quick, squeak in and get your March order. And uh, for the next episode, we'll have the solicits for uh, the April um, um, comics coming out. So that's, once again, dcbservice.com. Um, real quick, since we're talking about uh, DCB service and solicitations, have you guys seen uh, the, soli- the the preview image? I think it was on Bleeding Cool for the hardcover omnibus that's coming, or the hardcover compendium that's coming out? For volume two, I have not seen this image. No, volume one, because volume one is a soft cover compendium. That's all that's out, and they're actually... Okay. Right, that's the one I have. Yeah, I've got it as well. John's got it. Um, I think we've given a couple of those out on the show as well. Uh, but they're releasing a hardcover compendium, uh, and I think it's at uh, I think at the Emerald City Comic Con they're actually having um, a limited amount of them, and I think they're ninety nine ninety nine, um, and it, it it really looks good. I think it's got like a gold inlaid uh, print on the cover. It's black. It's a black hardcover, and it's just huge. Um, so the uh, crazy person that I am I think when that finally actually solicits I might uh, I might bite it bite off on that because the binding on my soft cover I mean just reading it normal there's no way you're not going to tear up tear up that binding and make it all you know cracked and everything but it's just meant to be a reader copy so it'd be nice to have a hard cover that uh, maybe the binding will stay a little bit better intact and to have so I might uh, I might bite off on it but you should uh, check out if you do a search on it uh, you can see pictures of it I think bleeding cool had some stuff up um, but but it looks really 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 cool plus with hardcover it's all the better to kill zombies with absolutely <laughs> in addition to uh, discount comic book services at dcbservice.com also check out a bunch of really cool like walking dead shirts and hoodies and stuff at catacombscds.com go to our facebook page walking dead tv podcast uh, or check out uh, walkingdeadtv.com because there's a specific link. If you follow our specific link, we get credit for you checking out their shirts. But there's a lot of really cool stuff at catacombcds.com. So uh, check out the link. Like I said, the specific link that we have on our Facebook group page or on the website because that's going to get us credit. And uh, you'll be able to check out some really cool shirts. Before we get into the meat of the episode, we have two special announcements. The first is that it's Lisa Lockridge's birthday, so happy birthday, Lisa, because she's one of our listeners who's contributed quite a lot to the show. And also, Jim, I believe you had some special words to say for our good friends, Aaron and Abe. I did. We have uh, uh, congratulations to give out to uh, the Out Now podcast with Aaron and Abe, the weekly uh, movie pod, uh, review podcast we have on HHWLOD Network. They just hit their 50th podcast, and I just want to say congratulations, guys. Well, job well done. Uh, I listen every week, even if I haven't seen the movie that you're reviewing, and it's always interesting, it's always entertaining, and I've been uh, graced with the uh, the opportunity to have been a, a guest on your show a few times, and uh, it's always been an enlightening and fun opportunity of uh, podcasting goodness. So thank you so much and uh, for being part of the network, and uh, happy 50th podcast, guys. Congrats. Uh, speaking of which, if you'd like to check out, uh, I was just on with Aaron and Abe. Uh, we did a special commentary track for the original 1981 Clash of the Titans. Uh, it's it's pretty uh, fun and interesting, and uh, uh, you might want to check that out as well. Awesome. Yeah, those guys were a great addition to the network. Um, you know, they kind of give us that movie flavor of a dedicated show that just talks about films. And I love the fact that, you know, we're a pretty geek-centric um 
podcast network, you know, between Walking Dead and what we do on Legion of Dudes and what Brad, Frank, and Bill do on Half Hour Wasted, and then, of course, with all the PKD media stuff. So it's kind of cool to have a podcast on the network that they don't just do all the geek movies. I mean, they just talk about, you know, movies in general, and, you know, you get everything from, you know, high-quality dramas to, you know, to the geeky stuff, too. But I, I like the variety in that it's not just... Um, you know, stuff that we talk about all the time. So that that's a nice, it's a nice shift. Those guys really know their movies too. If you're a movie fan and you're a fan of this podcast, definitely check out Out Now with Aaron and Abe because those guys are smart cookies. They know what they're talking about. So what should we talk about first in our season two wrap-up, gentlemen? Maybe overall impressions? So overall, did you guys think season two was better, worse, or about on par with season one? Overall. It's really hard to say, and because, and I'm, I'm trying not to be wishy-washy about it, but season one was only six episodes. You know, things happened, I guess, quickly, and it left you, you know, with with kind of this, you know, sense of, you know, what's what's going to happen next? Where are they going? Um, we're still kind of getting used to understanding who these characters were, and I think we still were, you know, comparing it to the book a lot. Um, I I think. Overall, I think season two, I felt, was better than season one. And a lot of it just had to do with the back half of season two. I think season one started out very strong. I think it kind of meandered a bit in the middle. As we saw at the mid-season break, I think there was a good reason for that. And then I think it finished very, very, very strong. So I think overall, if I had to rate, you know, and and part of it is... I look back at my own personal ratings for each episode, and I had more high-rated episodes in season two than in season one. Um, but those last, like I'd say, those last three episodes were just some of the best. You know, since the pilot, those were were some of the best. You know, episodes of of The Walking Dead. So um, yeah, so I guess I guess overall, I would say I enjoyed season two more. I uh, I it was really funny. I've gone back and 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 looked at the uh, season one and two again since the end of season two, and uh, I, I remember distinctly. I think it was the first episode of season two. I saw the weekend of New York Comic Con, uh, if I'm not mistaken, or the week after. I remember watching it in New York on a really big TV. Anyway, it was the week. <laughs> it was that week. Okay. Great! I didn't hallucinate that. That's awesome. Um, I thought that the first. It, this is going to sound kind of kind of in, weird, but bear with me, okay? I thought the first season kind of had the pacing of the the comic down. It was more of a of a of a. Um, it was a lot of really like long stretches with like a real just like um, crescendos of action and, and stuff, and uh, punctuating like a lot of uh, char- you know smaller and, and and slower things. And I think that was more of Darabont's uh, influence because as we go into season two, it almost looks like two different seasons to me. The first part I thought was kind of uh, season two was was slow. I thought they took a lot more time with some of these plots that we really than we really needed, especially the Sophia plot and the you know the barn subplot and all these kind of things. I think um, it could have been wrapped up a lot quicker and a lot you know a lot more efficiently than they were. Um, I, I agree with you, Ross. I think the back half of the second season. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's Glenn Mazzara's hand at work there or if it's just, um, you know, what they had in mind all along. But it seemed like a lot more things were happening. We still got those character moments that we really love about The Walking Dead, but it didn't have that glacial pacing. It just really, it moved along at a good clip and things happened every episode, you know. I think starting with um, the episode on Nebraska with Rick and uh, Glenn and Herschel in the bar. 
and that's really where the pivot point was for me when when that from that episode on it seemed like you know the the, the pedal was to the metal and they were really starting to accelerate the plot a lot more than they were uh, to you know the point uh, points before that I would probably say I'd put the two seasons about on par um, but with the caveat that I thought part one of season two was weaker than the first season and part two was stronger. So, in, you know, averaging them out, I thought it was about even, but definitely I liked the second half of the season a lot more. Just, you know, you guys are saying the last three episodes, I'd probably say the last four, I really loved 18 miles out. Um, it, I mean, and it's not just the action because I'm not a guy who sits there watching the show and goes, I need stuff to happen. I mean, I'm a Mad Men fan for, for God's sake. You know, I, I, I don't need plot developments to happen as long as the character stuff is there. That said, when the character stuff is not always as strong as it could be, which is sometimes a problem on the show, having the action there to balance things out works quite well. Now, hopefully, as we go into season three, hopefully, uh, with Glenn Macera, you know, being the man in charge the whole time, not having to deal with a regime change, um, hopefully they'll be able to find these voices for the characters better and action or no action, the show will just work better as a whole. But I guess that, that brings to mind, uh, an interesting talking point. What are your hopes for season three? And I'm not just talking prison and Michonne, like just in general, what do you want to see them improve on for season three? For me, I would like to see them keep the pacing that they did towards the end of season two into season three. Uh, that was one of the things uh, I think I really appreciated with season two. And then, you know, it's funny, we kind of saw an upswing in the ratings too. And I think people responded to that more positively. So I'm hoping that that's something that we, um, we get more of as, as we get into, uh, into season three, as we see they keep up the pacing a little bit. I mean, I'm fine with, you know, some slow moments. I mean, we, you know, obviously, you know, like you're saying, Jordan, everything can't be, you know, pedal to the floor 80 miles an hour the whole time, but we don't need several episodes where, you know, they're just kind of sitting around and, and when you look at the plot of, you know, episode, you know, of this episode and then episode two to, you know, later that nothing has really moved forward and nothing is going on. Um, I also hope that they keep what we saw a little bit in season uh, two where we would get an episode and maybe maybe two or three characters don't show up in that episode and, and they, you know, are able to focus on other ones um, and that and that we see some of that. I, I think now that Shane is out of the equation, it would be nice to get some focus on the other characters. I think, you know, we saw Daryl got kind of short shrifted. We, you know, we've talked at, ad nauseum about T-Dog and, you know, how he's really kind of got left by the wayside, but it'll be nice to see that maybe they could pull back a little bit and, you know, maybe we get a couple episodes with no Rick and no Lori. And, you know, maybe we get an episode with just, you know, Maggie and, and Glenn, or we get an episode with just Carol and Daryl, or, you know, we get in, you know, just an episode with T-Dog. And I think that would be fine. Um, we got 16 episodes next season instead of 13, which I think is incredibly awesome. Uh, I think based on the ratings of season two, I'm hoping that, um, you know, the ad revenue is going to just be even better because they'll be able to, um, you know, to probably pre-sell uh, a lot a lot of ads at, at a pretty good rate because I would imagine, you know, most... If I was an advertiser, I would see how the ratings on that show, you know, tend to follow the comic and they tend to increase over time that I would want to, you know, lock in as much space as I can early on, you know, to guarantee that, that rate or however that works in, in advertising. Um 
so I, you know, I hope that all kind of follows through. So that's that's what I hope for mo- more so than anything um, with season three for me. I uh, I agree with you, Russ. I hope they do. I, they need to do more with Daryl. They need to do more with T Dog. I, I thought Brad brought up a good point on one of our earlier episodes that he thought there was more to T Dog than at the eye. Like he had an affiliation that we don't know about at this point, or he was working for you know some. Uh, someone else the entire time like keeping tabs on you know rick and Lori. i mean there's got to be something more there than what they've given t-dog so far for me to even take him seriously as as character as more than just you know a potential zombie fodder as it were um i want to see them pay off the michonne and prison uh storylines to the extent that they did in the comic to the effect that they had in the comic uh, I, I, I don't want to see them truncated, watered down, or, you know, otherwise educated, you know, or, um, or adulterated, you know, in, in any way that doesn't, you know, in, further their impact. I really, I just hope that the, I guess what I'm trying to say is I hope the integrity, I don't care if they change the story. I mean, they changed it by leaving Shane in as long as they did, and that was fine. They've changed the story subtly. I mean, we've talked before, it's kind of like an alternate universe, Walking Dead, you know, because it's so different from the comic. But I hope that they keep the, you know, the, the, the integrity of, of those storylines in, into the television adaptations, you know, even if they aren't literal, you know, word for word, shape for shape, uh, you know, uh, uh, adaptations. I want to see that, you know, those come to, come to fruition. I want the governor to be, uh, particularly menacing. I want the return of Merle. <laughs> uh, another thing I really liked about the end of season two that I hope they carry over to some extent in the season three was the more, um, episodic uh, nature of the second half of the season. And by, what I mean by that is in the first half of the season, we had a little bit of it, but for the most part, the season was the arc. It was, you know, beginning to end episode one, episode seven was one story for the most part. And what I'd like to see more that they did more in the second half of season two was episodes where there was a beginning, middle and end. There was an arc to that story. It focused on you know, a specific set of characters, like we were saying before, um, maybe just an episode with Glenn and Maggie or something like that. But it, it tells a story that connects to the overall plot, moves the overall plot forward, but also is just telling a story that if no one, if you've never seen the show before, you can sit down, you can watch that episode, and you can see a growth or a change or um, something happen with these characters that makes a difference in the space of that episode. Um, and, and whether or not that focuses on the whole cast or smaller chunks of the cast, like we were saying, I don't really care as long as it's done well. But just having those smaller stories that connect in the overall plot, but also tell their own story and make the episodes watchable on their own and make them something you can watch out of order and just a really good episode of television. I want to see that more than I want to see the overall story. Like the overall story is awesome and I want to see that, but the smaller chunks need to hold up on their own as well. I I agree. So what do you think about one of the things that we were kind of critical of or maybe critical too strong of a word, but we were very conscious of, very concerned about early on was the fact that uh, Frank Darabont was fired from the show. I mean, I know a lot of places I listen to, they say, well, Frank left the show or, you know, Frank's departure. And I think we know by now that, you know, Frank was fired from the show. Um, and we, you know, a lot of it dealt with budget cuts and things like that. And I know a lot of us were concerned, you know, over uh, that. So, Personally, for me, 
it, it almost seems like maybe it was the best thing that could have happened. Um, and I have a lot of respect for Frank Darabont. I think he's done some great things. He he kicked off the show to with great fashion. But the kind of character movements and the kind of episode movements that we saw later on, um, I, you know, when we knew Darabont was definitely out, I think speak to Glenn Mazzara and maybe maybe Kirkman himself or, you know, both of them working together. Uh, and I, I, you know... I'm glad that it turned out as well as it did. I mean, you know, we spoke more highly, I think, as a group of the last few episodes than we have as a grouping than any of the other episodes, you know, previous, you know, in a row. I mean, yes, we've had highlights, you know, here and there. But, you know, those last three or four episodes, we all of us were pretty glowingly positive um, of of the majority. I mean, yeah, they had their moments and whatnot. But, you know, for me, I'm kind of attributing that to, to Glenn Mazzara and... I think the budget concerns, I don't know how you guys felt, but I didn't really feel like the show suffered from budget. Like, I don't see where they could have added, you know, if they, if they increased the budget 10% or 15% or whatever they whatever the perceived cut was to the show's budget, that it really would have made that big of a difference. You know, did we, you know, need more zombies? I mean, I think there was a couple episodes where we felt like they were, they were a little short-shrifted, but I think the character moments were so strong in that second half of season two that I really didn't feel any, you know, budget pressure, budget, um, you know, uh, crunch on there. And, and we were kind of aware of it. You know, I think average Joe viewer has no clue as to all that stuff that was going on. I mean, we're pretty hardcore about this and we watch the news and we look at all this stuff and we talk about it, you know, every week. But, I didn't notice it, and if I didn't notice it and I was kind of looking for it, I would think that somebody just watching at home, it, it wouldn't even been a blip on their radar. I agree. I mean, I, if you just, and like you are saying before, Ralph, since the comic has gotten more and more popular over time, it didn't start out as a sensation. It, it kind of snowballed into uh, you know, notoriety and, and fame, uh, being uh, you know, a fame. And uh, the show was doing the same thing. I mean, the, the, the finale was like the highest rated episode yet. You know, I know a lot of people who are who are just starting to watch it now in the second season and starting to get interested in it again um, after kind of being, you know, on the fence about after, about it after the first season. And I don't think those viewers, as you say, you know, Joe Public, Just Six Pack, or whatever, really, you know, know that noticed. I mean, I didn't see it on the screen. It didn't seem to me that, um, you know, their their budgets have been cut or whatever. I think the big paradigm shift for me was that I think Darabont thinks like a, a film director. And, and Mazzara thinks like a television director. And I think those two skills are, you know, they, they work, you know, in, in, in tandem with one another sometimes, but not always. And when, you know, uh, Darabont was, you know, tried, you know, AMC wanted Darabont to work within the constraints of the budget. He couldn't do that. Mazzara, the television producer, was able to. And I think Mazzara has a better sense for the kind of pacing you need for a television show, especially over a season and over each episode. Um, I agree with you too, Jordan, that um, I, I like to see the character um, uh, focused episodes with, you know, just maybe two or three characters in, in, in you know, in a pot, you know, in, a, um, in their own uh, episode, just kind of playing off one another. It gives, you know, insight into them and it kind of gives them more depth without, you know, having to, a lot of times when they have the entire ensemble in an episode, it's like, me too. Oh, I have a line too. Oh, remember me? I'm here too. You know, like, like we see with, uh, even Glenn was uh, in that, you know, in that camp on some episodes. 
So mm-hmm. I think it is a good idea to break, you know, to break it up. Like you say, you could have a Glenn and Maggie episode. You could have, you know, Rick, like Rick, Laurie and Carl episode, just the three of them, you know. I mean, it would be a great way to, to, you know, further spotlight the characters and get those great character moments in the real drama that's like the gist and, 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 and the rest of the show, you know. Um, but I, I definitely agree that, that the, the influence of Mazzara was a positive one. And, and, not, and not to take anything away from Darabont because he directed you know, one of my top ten favorite films of all time, Shawshank Redemption. And, I mean, he's a great director and The Mist I really enjoyed. And he, he's really good at what he does. I just don't think he had television sensibility. I think he had more of a film sensibility. And I don't think that, you know, the, the kind of budget AMC is dealing with, that, that that was a good fit. It'll be interesting to see because it's funny he's gone from a television experience to his next project as a television experience. And, you know, funny enough, if, if rumor is true that he'll be working with John Bernthal on L.A. Noir. So uh, I'm curious to see how his experience with that show um, will, you know, maybe maybe if his experience with The Walking Dead will shape what he does with L.A. Noir, or, you know, if he feels like maybe he's going to be given a better shake uh, doing that. So I'll be curious to see how he makes the transition from one television show to the other to see if maybe it's just, you know, sometimes stuff just isn't a fit, you know, you know in anything. I mean, you know, in our personal lives in our, in our, in our, you know, our professional lives. And I imagine running a large budget movie slash television production is, is no different. And sometimes, um, you know, the best intentions, you know, don't, don't really pay out. So I'm curious to see, like I said, what his move, you know, how, how that's going to pan out. For sure. Uh, Jim, you illustrated, I thought really well, the problem with doing the, the overall arcs as opposed to the inter episode arcs with or intra episode arcs for the show and and that is you run into that problem when you have seventeen different stories going on where you have the relationship of Glenn and Maggie and the relationship of Maggie and Herschel and the relationship between Herschel and Rick and Rick and Lori and Lori and Shane and Lori and Carl and Carl and Rick. And when you try to touch on every single one of those plots in a single episode, it just gets disjointed and it just gets muddled and when you try to when you try to have everything, you don't do you know jack of all trades, master of none. If you touch on every single one of those stories every episode, you don't really do anything good with all of those stories. You just touch on all of them every episode. And so I thought you you, you illustrated that well. That's my problem with the making the season the arc versus making the episode the arc. Do you become a master debater at that point <laughs> and a cunning linguist? But not a good episode of television. Yeah, if you look at some of the, I mean, obviously the finale and then the episode before, but like 18 miles out, it's basically just Shane and Rick and their prisoner. You know, I mean, it's, it's, that whole episode is, is focused on the three of them. Right. I mean, and that, that was a really good one. Um, so yeah, I definitely could see where that would work. Should we read an email? Uh, the first email I'd like to read tonight is from Krista Bader. Hello, I just wanted to send a little note to tell you how much I'm enjoying your podcasting network. I found your podcatraz cast, by the way, uh, Johnny and Brad, uh, Johnny M and Brad from uh, the Walking Dead podcast that you know and love and listen to, are listening to now, uh, do a uh, podcatraz, which is based on the Alcatraz television show. Check that out, podcatraz.com. Uh, through Diego Soulpatch, I enjoyed it so much, I decided to check out your other offerings. I'm probably not your target audience. I'm a stay-at-home mama to two kids who lives way up north in Winnipeg, smack dab in the middle of Canada, but I spend many hours a week 
driving my children to various appointments, half hour wasted, and legion of dudes have made this a more enjoyable time for me. Usually I spend this time singing along to Disney CDs. You guys have really introduced me to some cool things after listening to your Lock and Key episode. I went out and got the first volume. I can't believe how much I love it. And I was totally in Brad's camp of hate for the new Spider-Man movie, but Frank and Bill really changed my mind into giving it a chance. Thanks for making me laugh, sincerely, sincerely Krista Bader. Well, uh, thank you, Krista, and uh, please stay warm up there in the great white north. And, and I, th- I think you might be surprised how well, how well you actually do fit into our uh, major demographics for at least this show. Uh, I think this show and probably podcasters uh, go out to those audiences a lot more than Legion of Dudes for sure, and probably Half Hour Wasted as well. But it's been nice with this show in particular just to see our, not just to see our various listenership grow, but to see all the different demographics that we've been hitting on, and and reaching out to that haven't been hitting our other shows. So it's, it's really cool to see that and to get a bigger. Uh, sense of the listenership and a bigger wide range of opinions that we haven't gotten on other shows. So it's it's really awesome. It, it's funny, you know, we talk about it a lot and how certain uh, groupings between each of the shows are more active on certain, you know, things than others. And it seems like for, definitely for Podcatraz and for Walking Dead specifically, that the Facebook group is a lot more active, whereas for the other shows, I think the the message boards on the forum are are definitely more active, so it's just you know forumforgeeks.com exactly. Um, so you know it's it's just funny whatever you're you're comfortable with. One of the things I've noticed, or you know maybe it just um, I don't know if you guys have noticed as well, but it seems like I've heard from more folks on Facebook that have said, "Hey, I've I've picked up the first hardcover. Hey, I bought you know the the first trade, or you know I I I'm a fan of the show. I'm a fan of your show." You know, I want to dive into the comics. You know, what should I get? You know, should I get, you know, this, that, or the other? What's the difference between the two? So it's been kind of fun to have those conversations on face, on the Facebook group and say, you know, the, you know, you have the trades, which are six issues, and you have the hardcovers, which are two trades, and then you have the omnibus, which are two hardcovers, and then you have the compendium, which, is, you know, it, it just on and on and on and on. Um, so I, I think that's, that's pretty cool to see that we're actually influencing people or I, I perceive that we're influencing people, uh, to, to pick up the print material and, and check it out. Image, yeah. send us a check. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we just had a, you know, a conversation today with one of our listeners, Allison on the Facebook page where she wanted to know just what you were saying. What's the difference between the books, the compendiums, the hardcovers, the soft covers, and, uh, you know, it's really cool to be able to interact with the audience that way and actually have some real information to be able to share with them. Uh, what else about Season 2 should we talk about? How about our uh, our favorite uh, characters over the course of the season? I mean, look at the arc of Shane over the season, for Pete's sake, or or, or Dale, or, you know, um, even Daryl with this, you know, the Daryl-centric episode of him having his hallucinations and whatnot. I mean, uh, I really... Uh, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed some of the character arcs this season. I mean, and then other people, it just seemed like they didn't have any changes or evolutions at all, like Carol. It just seems like she was the same in the beginning of season two as she is now. Yeah. I really enjoyed what they did with Glenn and Maggie. Um, I mean, they, they wasted no time in making Maggie a very likable character that fits well with Glenn. And, uh, you know, not only are they two fan favorites from the comics, but they did a good job of integrating her into the cast and, while, you know, something like, say, Beth or whatever, going into season three, I have no idea what they're going to do Beth, with Beth, not just because she wasn't in the comics, but because I don't know her character, as opposed to Maggie, who I feel, regardless of what she did in the comics, is a perfect fit for the show. And I 
as a viewer, I'm generally interested to see what are they going to do in that relationship. I don't care if it's the same as the comic or not, but I'm interested to see as just a television viewer, where is that story going to go? They did a good job of, of illustrating those characters. Yeah, for me, as far as you know, character arcs and changes go, uh, Herschel is definitely at the top of my list because the character he is when they first get to the farm and interact with him compared to the character he is at the end is night and day. I mean, he went from being convinced that the group should only stay there a short period of time, that his family is just infected with some sort of plague or some disease, that once the government kind of gets their stuff together, somebody will figure out a cure or it'll pass or whatever's going to happen, and he'll get back to his life as, as, it, as it was. And when he kind of hit that moment where he realized that you know his his loved ones and and people he knew were getting shot you know right through the heart and they kept on moving that was like a, a switch that went on for him and at that point he's like okay all bets are off you know everything i thought about you know this world and how i thought it was going to end up and my family is completely different and i love the way he got behind rick and that the bond he he kind of created for himself with rick and the trust he put in rick to keep you know, what's little bit left of his family he has and, and the group together and that, you know, they were all going to, you know, up until, you know, it kind of all hit the fan in the end that he opened up his house to them and, and you know, was going to give Lori and Rick his room, you know, be, because Lori was pregnant and she needed to be comfortable, which is, you know, again, a complete 180 from where he was at the beginning of the season where he, you know, he didn't trust him, didn't want him around, didn't want his, you know, any of his family interacting too much with, you know, with them and, and the way he interacted with Glenn, you know, he kind of opened up and realized that Maggie really does care for Glenn and that he is okay with it. Um, and he's not, um, you know, it, it doesn't bother him. The other one, I mean, obviously Rick, we've, I think we've talked about the Rick transformation, uh, to death. I mean, you, you know, over the course, especially the last few episodes of, of how Rick has transformed into the leader and to the, into the badass Rick that we all knew he would become and were hoping he would become. But Andrea is kind of the other one that for me has really been interesting because she went, you know, kind of being, you know, with her and her and Amy uh, being holed up with, uh, with, um, um, Dale. Dale, thank you. Act like you've read the book once or twice. Um, you know, being holed up with Dale in the RV and to go from, from that and, and to, to kind of the badass that she's become. And then, you know, right before and then after Dale's death, kind of realizing that, you know, maybe she needs to kind of come down a little bit. Maybe she needs to be a little bit more compassionate. Maybe she needs to um, stop with the death wish and, and wanting to, you know, to, to kill herself or to just, you know, not care whether she lives or dies from one moment to the next than anybody else. Um, so I really like at the end of the season where she ended up, and especially when she got split off from the group by rescuing Carol and then runs into Michonne. I'm really, really curious about where her character goes from 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 here into next season. So she's she's kind of another one that I've I've really been impressed with the way they've handled her given the the various scenarios. Um, you know, I think again we talked to death about our you know dislike or like or whatever about Lori. You know, I think you know we also we've talked about how Daryl. You know, we we've, we've seen that he's kind of gotten short shrift a couple a little bit. You know, and again like we mentioned this episode and many other that, um, you know, poor irony singleton just can't seem to get a break as far as something to do. But, uh, but you know, as we all talk about, and I think as we all are speculating and even, I think some official news has come out that I think that's going to change next season. So, uh, so that's kind of where I'm at. 
I think it would be, and this isn't, uh, you know, a spoiler or anything, it's just conjecture on my part. It would be awesome if it turned out he was actually uh, in, in the pay or under the influence of the governor. Yeah, I think that would add a really, really cool dynamic to the show because then it makes, you know, it's, it's kind of that payoff, kind of like with um, with Sophia in the barn, you know. They drug it out and drug it out and drug it out, and at the time, it, you know, we really kind of had enough of it. And then when you see Sophia walk out of the barn, the fact that they drug it out, that was the payoff. So if this could be where, you know, like Brad, you know, Brad's commented a few times where he kind of, where T-Dog is kind of looking at the group and he's not saying much. And, you know, the way the way he's kind of gone about it, about it and the way that they've written his character, for him to be kind of a plant, that I think would be, I think that payoff would be worth it, um, in, in my opinion. And I think it would be awesome because they would finally give that poor guy something to, to do. Um, because I think we're all, you know, fans of his character. I mean, he's, he's been on the show a couple times in, in an interview and he's just a, he's just a really cool guy. Um, you know, and it just, I, I hate when you have an ensemble cast and, there, the concentration is just on on too few characters. Um, you know, even on like Star Trek: The Next Generation and Voyager and Deep Space Nine, you know, even even the the minor characters got an arc or two every now and then. You know, where they would do you know a spotlight episode or uh, a, you know a couple episodes on them, and, you know, and things like that. I mean, even you know Wesley Crusher got you know an ex- episode dedicated to him for God's sake. So, um, Mr. Barkley. Yes, Barkley. Um, so hopefully, you know, the same will, will ring true with, uh, with some of these other characters and we'll, and we'll get, uh, you know, I, I obviously we got the Daryl centric episode, so that's, that's happened, but I'm hoping that we get more of that with, with the others. Should we drop in another email now? Well, I have an uh, email here from Darth Akbar, uh, with some thoughts on the season finale. Holy crap. This episode was awesome. There was so much action, literally shaking. When that walker was coming up from behind Herschel. And then when Rick shot him in the back of the head, I screamed at the TV, yeah, apologies to my neighbors. Well, it's cool that you're enthusiastic, Darth Akbar. I appreciate that. Uh, I guess the nice thing about the Sophia arc earlier this season was that it left a place for the characters to meet up. Speaking of which, it seemed odd that they all happened to show up at the same time, after Rick and company, that is. Uh, I love Herschel's new catchphrase, shut up and listen to Rick. (laughs) Now that Rick... It's really stepping up and being a leader. Um, gender secret was revealed. And Effin Michonne, yeah, I'm writing this email while watching the episode. So thank you, Darth Akbar, for that email. Uh, I, I echo your sentiments all over the place here. I, I, I really appreciate Her- Herschel uh, you know, and the way he's kind of bonded with Rick and kind of they have an understanding, like jo- Jordan said, you know, to get kind of thrown his lot with Rick. Um, and to, especially at the end of the you know, season uh, two with him, you know, they're all by the fire or whatnot. And, and uh, Herschel is just kind of, you know, him and his family are in, definitely in Rick's camp. Nobody's, uh, nobody's going to go send him a postcard, like he says. Um, yeah, if Daryl is kind of Rick's uh, enforcer the, in, in season three, which is kind of what it looks like it's going to, uh, kind of looks like it's going to be, hopefully Herschel can be his advisor, I think. I think Herschel will probably uh, kind of use or have the same role that Dale does in the comic of being like the, uh, like you say, Jordan, the, the you know, more mature advisor, the Obi-Wan to Rick's uh, Luke, as it were. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So like we said earlier, we're holding uh, some of the feedback for next episode, and that includes the voicemails. But speaking of voicemails, we've been talking about doing a call-in show. So sometime during the off season, we're going to hopefully have an episode 
where we're going to make it known on the Facebook page when you guys can call in, and we'll be able to talk to you guys right here on the show and get your feedback, quote-unquote, live and in person, um, so everyone can hear it. Yeah, I, I, this is something um, that we'd like to do somewhat sparingly because it does take a lot of setup and uh, a lot going on, but I think on the tech side, we've been able to improve some things on our side so that, um, you know, in the past... You know, when we do it on Legion of Dudes, we're lucky enough because uh, Ken and John both have some equipment that makes that easier. Um, and Mr. Morgan is not on the Walking Dead TV podcast, but I've got a mixer now, so I think I think logistically we can we can make it work and it'd be a little smoother. But it's something I always enjoy. I really enjoy hearing feedback directly. I mean, the voicemails and stuff, the emails, the Facebook comments are all fantastic and excellent. Um, but there's just something about engaging in a conversation live. Um, you know, for for kind of for everyone to hear. Maybe we'll find a way to, to broadcast it out, too. Um, I'm probably speaking out of turn, but we, we've definitely done that in the past as well, so hopefully we can we can hook that up and make it work for Walking Dead TV podcast. Um, I, I definitely like to do that. And, yeah, the, I apologize on the voicemail side of things. Um, I've, I kind of had some uh, technical things going on this episode, but we definitely in the next episode, unless it is the call-in episode, um, we'll we'll definitely get the the voicemails that are that are um, piling up in for sure. So I apologize for for that. So keep an eye on the Facebook page to find out exactly when that call out show call in show will be. Probably also the uh, the Twitter feed as well. I'm sure we'll have that information as well. Yeah. Sure. Since we're talking about the off season, should we also talk about the uh, commentary contest? Yeah, we're uh, you know last season we did commentaries for every episode. It wasn't difficult. There's only six. You had a long off season. Plus the DVDs came out pretty early. This season, it's a much shorter off-season, thank God, so you won't have to wait as long for season three. Um, but also, we haven't heard any word of the DVDs coming out quite yet, so presumably they'll come out much closer when season three comes out. Plus, there's a lot more episodes to cover, and as we've said through the throughout this episode, we didn't like all the episodes as much as in season one. Some of them were kind of boring. So, we won't have time to do every episode in the off-season, but we'd like to do, let's say, six so what we want to know, listeners, is if we only do six commentary episodes, what should they be? So you should tweet them at WDTV Podcast. You should post them on the Facebook group. Email us. Send us a voicemail. If there's only six episodes we do commentaries for, which six episodes should they be? You know John is listening to this right now, and he's probably either throwing something at his um, – listening device of choice or crying um, because I think his OCD is probably uh, is probably very pissed off at us right now. <laughs> Although it's probably the intersection of his OCD of wanting to do every episode and the fact that he doesn't like doing commentaries in the first place. Yeah, so we will carry on without Mr. M. So like Jordan said, you pick which six we do from season two and we will do those six. And we'll have some... some- We'll have some fun guests on, too. That's ex- exactly what I was going to say. We're going to have some extra special voices for you guys to listen to for those six episodes, regardless of what they end up being. Jim, you want to hit us with another email? Got an uh, email here here from Earl. Uh, firstly, I want to say that my wife is a recent convert, a social worker with no guts, I mean no stomach for blood, some, blood and guts and gore, but she's getting pulled in. Okay, this rap was how the writing was so bad with Lori. I mean, I hate to say this, but fan, but very fanboyish, really, guys. You've never spent time with a passive-aggressive person, especially a woman who seeks power but doesn't outright realize the scope and repercussions of her actions. She has been consistently written and played this way. I think that's the core reason why I don't like her, Earl. 
but I'll continue. She is a woman who needs control uh, of everything immediately around her, but is really unaware of the farther-reaching effects. The small-minded but powerful woman displays this with her conversation with Andrea in the kitchen and wants to go machine on the guard tower. With Andrea, she is trying to control another woman by being a total B, and with Shane, she's trying to be the righteous, uh, high road, good person, but she's still, but she's really still a B. I say B, uh, I'm, I'm editing where they edited. Uh, did you really think this Queen B was going to accept Rick's actions when she's not capable of grasping the far reaching effects her own actions have? This is the epitome of manipulation and you hate her actions and you should because this is brilliant writing and acting intended to make you feel that way. Thanks for great work on the podcast, Earl. I just want to say that I don't have any problem with the actress, um, Sarah Callis, who plays Laurie. I just have sometimes problems with the way Laurie is written. Yeah. And I, I just want to make that distinction. Uh, I know I seem to be the, have by some de facto uh, reason that I don't know, have become like the dean of Laurie hate just because I've expressed my Laurie hate. But uh, I just want to say I have no problem with the actress. I just have problems with the consistency of, of of the writing for her character i guess not even the writing but more the consistency yeah i i guess I, I mean i definitely see what you're saying earl that if 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 that's the case and she's passive aggressive then yeah that's a, that's how she'd be written if i guess if if she were to have a complete and utter mental breakdown and freak out at some point in season three I think I might look back on it and say, okay, that makes a little bit more sense, or I might look a little bit more favorably on it. But, and and again, I'm with you, Jim. It's not Sarah Wayne Callies that I have the issue with. Um, I, I liked her quite a bit in Prison Break. I thought she did a fantastic job. I, I don't know if it's just the, the, like I said, it's just the way that she's delivering the character as written just, just doesn't ring true to me. I, I, I can't explain it. There's just something about it. That you know, in the way that 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 character is portrayed, uh, and maybe it's my bias from the comic creeping in unknowingly. Like I never really think about her from the comic very much, but it it could be some of that. But just some of the flip flopping and and you know, just like I said, I mean, we kind of beat it to death in the last episode about her anger at Rick uh, when she found out what really happened between him and Shane. But yeah, there's just a lot that doesn't ring true, but. Um, you know, that's, that's what's, what's cool is people have differing opinions. I mean, obviously J the way Jim and I thought was, um, quite a bit different than the way Brad and, and John thought about that. And obviously the, to some degree, the way, the way Earl thinks. Um, so I, I nothing wrong with that. And, and I think I fall more in Earl's camp in that the character is not inconsistently written so much as she's written to be inconsistent, which is a, an important distinction, but I, I think I agree with them that she's written to be a terrible, unlikable character and how well that works for a show that already has quite a few characters that are quite unlikable is certainly another issue. But I, yeah, I do kind of feel that she's written on purpose to be that way. And hopefully in season three, like you're saying, Russ, we get some payoff to that. But um, as season two stands, she didn't bother me as much as, um, she bothered a lot of other people in terms of um, I think she hurts the show or I think she's uh, this, that, or the other thing. I think she's written to be that way, and she's supposed to be an inconsistent, terrible person. But we'll, we'll see where that goes in season three for sure. There, there's something that I, I didn't – I think we've talked about it a little bit, but it, I don't know what it is, but it really seemed to, to bug me a lot is 
I think in the sound design, is it just me or do they really need to turn down some of the ambient effects going on? Like the 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 crickets in the background and just the the wind noise and stuff. At times it really seems to be obnoxious, like to the point where it's taking me out of the conversations that are ha- taking place on screen because I hear this annoying background noise. And I mean, I live in the country, I live in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, yeah, at times you can kind of hear that stuff going on, going on, but it's not as often as they make it seem in that show. And there are times where they, it just seems like the volume on that is just cranked up way too high um, for me. And that's something I noticed more in season two than in season one. And I don't know if I'm just alone in that. Um, I can honestly say I never noticed it. I really? noticed that with the music more than yeah, yeah, that, yeah, definitely. I agreed that one time, that one episode with the music for sure, but never ambient noise. Huh? And going back over and watching it again, Jordan, I've noticed other instances where the music seemed to swell or was kind of mixed in a weird way in context to the scene. Um, but I mean, there are other instances of that where the music, which is usually just like ambient background, uh, um, you know, music going on, it just seemed inconsistently mixed, like to the foreground for some reason. I noticed that a few times, not only in the episode that you called it on, but like on some of the episodes after uh, re- you know rewatching them. So that's I've noticed that rust, but not so much the ambient noises. Interesting. Now, now that I've said it, if they do it next season, you guys are going to totally cue in on it, and you're probably going to be cursing at me while you're watching it. <laughs> Latham Russell gone. <laughs> it won't be the first time. Probably won't be the last. So that's okay. <laughs> Jim, how many more emails do we have? I have one more I can do here from uh, Megan Powell. Hi, guys. My name is Megan. I had a quick question about the podcast. But before I ask, I just wanted to say that I love your Walking Dead podcast that y'all put out for your listeners. I mentioned this about iTunes review, but I just switched this podcast from another one. And I'm just blown away with how much I enjoy it. So please keep it up. And I look forward to the episodes over the break to keep my Walking Dead appetite alive. Back to my question. Well, first of all, thank you, Megan, for the kind words, and we're we're glad you found us. Um, to the, uh, the podcast that lost you. Uh, back to my question. <laughs> Will there be any more episodes that discuss the comic books over the break? I realized that the episode where you discussed 7 through 12 of the Walking Dead comic was not a direct, directly a Walking Dead podcast, but a sister podcast. We like to prefer to call it a brother podcast because... Well, never mind. Uh, but I really enjoyed it, and like, unlike some fans, I want to know what's going on in the comic without my necessarily having to read them. Maybe it's lazy, but I like to think it's because I like listening to you guys discuss them. Anyway, thanks for the awesome job. Keep it up. I'm on to listen to the final episode of the season. Thanks again, Megan Powell. Um, yeah, I'm not know, guys. not sure yet. I mean, the thing with um, with the volume with volume two that we did was that it covered pretty much everything that was in this season, but the, the the part that happened, I think we covered it during the break, right? So it only covered a little tiny bit after the break because um, most of the stuff in that volume, except for the stuff that happens basically in the last episode of the season, happens in the first half. Like all the other stuff is stuff pretty much only from the show, um, although it did bring in some other elements from other parts of the series. But so we didn't, you know, we make an effort to avoid spoilers. So at that point, we weren't really spoiling anything except for the fact that they leave the farm. That was the only thing after the barn that really happened in volume two. So it's kind of going to depend on what they announced the plan is for season three. If there's going to be a break in the middle 
we might wait again to, for that break to see how much of the comic story has been done. And that point, we can do the comic without spoiling too much from the show. But it's going to depend what the listeners want. It's going to depend what um, what we, the hosts, want, of course, want to do. And it's going to depend on what AMC announces for the season three plan. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think like anything else, if the if the listeners speak loud enough, I think we'll definitely take that into consideration. And if we don't do it on on the Walking Dead TV podcast, that's definitely something that fits into our mo for the Legion of Dudes. So, um, you know, it it kind of would be fun in in the context of going through those issues to speak about the show. So, um, yeah, I guess be vocal. You know, tell us what you want to hear. Um, tell us what you want to what you want us to cover, and you know, I I I don't think we can say for certain that just because somebody requests it that we'll we'll outright do it. But uh, but you know, if enough folks are really clamoring for it, we you know, most of us on on this podcast, meaning myself, Jordan, Jim, and John, all do a podcast called The Legion of Dudes, and it's mainly comic book talk. That's that's the kind of our bread and butter. So. Um, you know, we might be able to squeak it in there if 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 uh, if we can't fit it in here, and there's a, a vocal majority out there of folks that want us to hear, well, that want to hear us speak about the Walking Dead comic more so uh, than the TV show. And it's definitely not if we'll definitely do it. It's just when we can do it, as opposed to uh, when it's going to spoil stuff. But I mean. Someone already mentioned in an earlier email, Lock and Key, you know, on Legion of Dudes, we cover a lot of good books. I mean, just because you've checked out The Walking Dead, um, don't don't feel like that's the only good thing comics has to offer. There's a ton of good stuff. Uh, Lock and Key, I know we want to do Unwritten coming up soon. Um, we did recently the first volume of Chew, which you're looking at making a show out of. Uh, check out Legion of Dudes for the episodes that are already out and upcoming ones because there's a lot of good comics that you might be interested in if you like The Walking Dead. And other other TV stuff, episode 188 that we just did. I know it sounds like we're giving a plug for the Legion of Dudes podcast. Um, and Which we are, but it's yeah, fine. Yeah, um, but episode 188 that we just did, uh, we Jim Jordan and I, funny enough, uh, just talked about season one of Game of Thrones, which is another big popular series that's getting ready to gear up as, uh, as Walking Dead is leaving us for the summer. Uh, Game of Thrones is heating up, so... Uh, so if you if you're if you're interested in that, you could check out that spoiler filled discussion of Game of Thrones. Yeah, Legion of Dudes is more comic centric, but we do cover television, films, uh, video games. We also have free form episodes. We call our BS shows where we talk about pretty much everything in the geek spectrum. So check out you know in the off season of Walking Dead, you know maybe check out some of uh, what the HHWLOD network has to offer. One of the things that happened in season two is, as Frank Darabont left, it seems like, along with Glenn Mazzara, that Mr. Greg Nicotero's position within uh, the show got elevated, uh, which I was happy to see. And he actually directed an episode which, you know, we talked about um, quite a bit as as to how impressed we were with his acting chops. Uh, so he's he's kind of a busy guy, you know. He's he's leading the effects crew. He's uh, you know from from what I've heard on Talking Dead and stuff, uh, assisting with training and coordinating, uh, you know, zombie actors. He's directing. He's executive show- producer. Yeah, he's you know basically show running now. Um, you know, along with Mazzara and and Robert Kirkman and. Uh, you know, I've seen interviews with him and stuff, and it, it's one of those like couldn't happen to a nicer guy kind of thing. Um, I'm I'm really happy that somebody that probably made his chops as just being kind of like an effects guy or a makeup guy um, is able to kind of get to the position where he's. Um, you know, I guess I guess we'll have to wait and see how it comes out. But it, but judging by 
the work he's done, at least on The Walking Dead, on his road to possibly becoming an accomplished director um, and, and doing a pretty good good job assisting with the show running side of things. Um, so I, and he's from Pittsburgh. Another plus. Um, yes. But I thought, the again, the makeup effects, the zombie effects were very, very well done. I, I, I didn't, like, again, we talked about budget a little bit. I didn't feel like we got short-shrifted. I thought there were some really, I, you know, I thought the well zombie was, was really cool. Um, I know there were, there were kind of mixed reactions to that. I thought that was a cool cool zombie. I think um, the zombie we got, the, the swamp zombie, was, was very well done. I think zombie Sophia was just fantastic. Uh, the one in the RV with the screwdriver yeah, through the eye. Yeah, the the zombie at the, um, you, you know, the and then, and then you know the work they did with um, with Dale, you know, where they where they kind of had him, you know, being ripped open and to see, you know, kind of hear Nicotero tell the story of how they did that, you know, on a on a closed set, it wasn't out, you know, on location, and they everything was very tight and and close, and and the way they handled that, I thought was was very well done. So I, I I'm very pleased uh, with Nicotero's work, and like I said, I you know being at New York Comic Con and and hearing him on the panel, and then seeing him in subsequent interviews, I'm I'm happy, uh, you know that 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 his talent is being allowed to grow and and shine on this show. I can think of a couple zombies in season one, just just a few out of the hundreds that were there, that we kind of pointed to and said, ooh, that one didn't look as good or that one didn't look as good. I, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but were there any in season two that didn't look very good? I'm kind of with you. Nothing that really jumped out to me, but... Um... You know, I, th- I think maybe if I went back and looked at it a little closer, obviously I could f- I could find s- find something. Um, you, you know, it, it's kind of hard to to say. You know, there were a lot of portions, I guess, in the second half of the season where we didn't get larger. I mean, obviously in the premiere of of season two, there was a large grouping of zombies, but other than that, you know, we didn't get scenes, extended scenes, where there were just large groups of of zombies. You know, there'd be like kind of onesie twosies here and there. And I think when you have that kind of thing going on, you're able to get, you know, put more attention on it. And anything else was kind of so far in the background that, you know, it could have been, you know, a guy almost with a bag over his head and you wouldn't be able to tell because he was off in the distance. Um, but but in the finale, when there were just so many, when the herd kind of came in, nothing really stuck out to me there. And, you know, maybe just the frantic pace of the editing and the way it was shot and everything else, it, it lended itself to, you know, to... to you know, not not being as much detail, but but like you said, Jordan, nothing really jumped out at me and made me roll my eyes or say, "Oh God, that's just terrible." Yeah, they all looked pretty good to me. I agree. I uh, the one that Carl got stuck in the mud, uh, we get to see really up close and personal, and he, uh, I mean, I I just thought the effects looked great. I really didn't see where the budget had been cut at all. Um, uh, you know, especially or at least on the, the effects side. Um, I, th- I think, you know, the zombies in, in season two were, you know, better if not as good as the one in, in season one. Like, in, I remember in season one, um, the episode Guts, um, some of the zombies kind of look, just look like uh, homeless people, <laughs> you know, instead of ripped up clothes and, and or, or a little gray uh, makeup or whatever and didn't really seem all that, uh, you know, well-defined. But I think in this episode, in, in this season, uh we, we've seen some really great effects, and like you said, uh, Russ, I, I like the zombie in the well. I thought that was uh, was a good episode, especially when they dangled Glenn down as bait. Yeah, uh, yeah. It just kind of showed where Glenn was in the group, you know. Oh, send Glenn in on a rope. Oh, okay, that's a good idea, you know. Um, I remember the zombies uh, in when uh, Carl and uh, or um, not Carl when uh, Shane and uh, uh, um, kills Otis. 
in, in the school there. Um, I mean, also the zombies in uh, 18 Miles Out uh, that you know Shane releases by throwing a sledgehammer and missing Rick and breaking that plate glass window. You know that great scene that we talked about in that episode. Um, I, th- I think the effects have been spot on and the uh, the direction uh, really has been um, stellar. I think and, and especially. Like we keep saying in the second half of the second season, in the, the second half, I really think that uh, every episode has been very well directed, very well, you know, staged and, 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 and shown and framed. And, uh, especially in the, the last two episodes, the, you know, the confrontation between Rick and Shane. I mean, it's basically just two guys in a field, you know, sweating and, and yelling at each other. But the way it's shot and the way that, you know, that they go from close up to two shot, to you know, to to a further away shot, to you know, keep cutting back and forth like that. It just really you know brought the tension to the scene. So, I, I really think you know, it's, I mean, budget cuts. You tell me they're there, but I don't see them on the screen. Did you guys hear some of the chatter? I guess that's come out from John Bernthal as to how that kind of went down with that ending scene between him and Rick. That um, there was, he kind of made it sound like. Um, disagreement between the writing crew and the acting crew as to how they wanted that to go down, and he didn't say it like in a negative light, but he he said it pretty in a, in a positive light that the actors because they're so ingrained with these characters and they live them day in day out and and sweat and you know blood and tears and everything else that they kind of had one way they wanted that scene to go, and the writers because they feel like invested in these characters because they've pretty much created them. Um, they had a different way to go, and that in the end, you know, between both sides, they kind of uh, agreed on on a course of action that ended up being what we saw. And I thought that was really interesting. I, like I've said before, I kind of like the inside baseball stuff that goes on. I like to see how things are made and in the pro and kind of a process junkie in that respect. Um, and I thought it was cool that Bernthal was coming out and being very candid about it where he could have just said, Oh, you know, no, it was fine. You know, we, you know, we got the script and, you know, we kind of tweaked some things, but he, he said it got pretty contentious and, and he thinks, you know, like I said, in the end, that was a good thing. It wasn't contentious in a, a bad thing where there was bad blood or people were upset about the fact that they didn't quote, get their way. Um, so I thought that was really interesting to see to see how that that kind of went down or allegedly went down. I guess that's you know how Bernthal's take on on what happened. Well, if there weren't people like you and me that like the uh, quote unquote inside baseball stuff, there wouldn't be extras on DVDs and Blu-rays. Agreed. So, or director's commentaries for that matter. <laughs> so I think we've pretty much exhausted uh, at least for this episode our discussion of season two. But I know we also wanted to talk a little bit about um, Kevin Smith's comic book men, which aired after the second half of the season of Walking Dead. Um, I only saw three episodes, uh, the, the last three, and some clips from earlier ones, but I think you guys saw more. Um, in general, I liked it. I mean, yes, it's derivative of um, uh, Pawn Stars, Pawn Stars or, or other shows like that, but I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed the three episodes I saw. I didn't think it was anything groundbreaking, but I was entertained. Yeah, that's exactly the camp I'm in. It, you know, is it the best thing on TV? Absolutely not. Is it fun to watch? Is it just kind of fun to see these guys kind of bust on each other? Is it fun to see, um, you know, people bring things in off the street? I mean, you know, obviously these things are heavily edited. I'm sure they, they put out a call for, you know, people to bring things in so they can, they can do the stuff. But I thought it was kind of cool. Some of the stuff that they actually brought in, I mean, some of it was obviously, 
you know, kind of junk, but there was some really cool stuff. There were some, you know, people that had collections, you know, where it's, it's the typical story that, you know, never seems to happen to us, but happens to people where it's like, yeah, my aunt was cleaning out my uncle's garage who passed away, you know, 10 years ago and found these box of comics and, you know, he's pulling out Spider-Man number two and, you know, 73 mint condition copies of amazing fantasy 15. Yeah, exactly. That, that kind of craziness. Um, so that was kind of fun, you know, people bringing in, um, you know, things, I, it always, I always think it's funny when people bring in things and I don't notice it so much on Pawn Stars because I'm not, you know, those guys know everything about everything, um, or know somebody that does know something about it, but it's kind of cool with, with comic book men because, you know, being as in tune, you know, to comics and the market and, you know, how things sell and, you know, especially, you know, you know, grading and all that kind of stuff, you know, when people come in and they, and they have something and they think that, you know, Oh, I saw an, uh, you know, it's worth $12,000. So I want you to give me $12,000. And it's like the whole, it's like, you know, the barter back and forth and, you know, people really thinking that things are worth more than, than they really are. I always just think that's kind of fun. I like the fact that, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of it is heavily scripted and heavily, you know, you know, maybe a little heavy handed, but, you know, if somebody's really got kind of a, a story behind why they're selling something or why they bought something or why they they want to buy something that, you know, they kind of horse trade a little bit with them and barter, you know, or they say, you know, hey, I'm not interested in this. I mean, there was there was one episode where um, a lady brought in a long box of vintage issues. I mean, she probably had maybe seven to twelve thousand dollars worth of comics and. You know, she's like, oh, yeah, my neighbor said he would give me like $2,000 for it or something like that. And Walt and the guys were like, you know, no, you need to really sit down. You need to get a guide. You need to, to look and see, you know, what these are worth. And then you need to, to, you know, to go that route. There was another guy that brought in some really vintage stuff, and they pretty much told him to take it to like Heritage, you know, auction um, or, or Sotheby's or something like that because it was like way beyond the price range of a, you know, of a you know, regular retail store to do. Um, you know, I know some people have kind of talked a little bit about the interstitials that they record, you know, where it's them actually recording the podcast, which is really the only part that Kevin Smith takes part in. Um, and I think it's fun. I like the banter back and forth. I like the, you know, it's kind of a way to break up the in-store stuff. Um, they kind of take, there's a little bit of clerks to it, you know, where you get the interludes, you know, where you get the little, um, you know, um, card that comes up that, you know, has like at the flea market or something like that. And you'll see him like on a road trip to the flea market. Um, it's just fun to, you know, a lot of times I, you know, I watched all the episodes and there's times where I just kind of had it on while I was doing something else and just, you know, would kind of like listen to it and then look at it every, you know, every so often it's, it's not, um, you know, something I clamor for every week, but I put it on the DVR and kind of watch it when I'm just kind of piddling around. Um, I hope it makes it back. You know, I just, you know, given all the crap that's on television, um, for a show that's, that to me at least is interesting and, and people talking about things that interest me, um, I was pretty happy with it. I, I like the parts where, uh, they, they appraise the items because I like seeing the items that people bring in. The one episode they had the original art from like, um, I think it was a Don Heck uh, um, man thing from the 70s. I thought that was incredible. Um, was you know, it they giant brought the Batmobile sized? And, I'm sorry? Was it giant sized? It was giant sized man thing. Absolutely. As are they all, right? Anyway, um, I, I like that part of the show. Uh, I like the part where they kind of have the, the comic book chatter back and forth. Where like, For instance, when they, they had the episode where the guy brought in the $6 million man figure, they stopped, they kind of went to the podcast uh, studio, and they're like, $6 million man, 
Steve Austin, blah, blah, and kind of filled in the background on who the character was and, you know, why, you know, why it was valuable, why it was important or whatever, and then went back to the appraisal. That part I really liked. The part I don't like is the part where they're just sitting around trying to be funny with each other. I really, I just, the, the guy with the beard is a total douche. The guy with the mustache is just kind of wishy-washy douche. And then um, the, I, I just don't find it entertaining at all. I really like the comic book part. I really like the, the Pawn Star ripoff part or whatever. And I really like the part where they break away and kind of explain, you know, what things are. Why, like you said, like what, when the guy brought in the, the original art and the, the really old stuff that they told him to go to Heritage Auctions with, you know, they broke away and, and he was like, look, you know, you know, Detective Comics 27, why is that important? First appearance of Batman, blah, blah, blah. And they, they kind of explain. And that's cool. They're explaining things about the, the hobby and they're kind of really, um, you know, and it's interesting. And I like seeing that kind of stuff. But the part I don't like is, like you say, Russ, the, the quote-unquote clerk's part, because I just don't find them all that interesting in their interactions with one another. And just kind of find that part boring so when i dvr it i watch the appraisal and explanation parts and fast forward the rest interesting well we haven't heard any word as to whether it's coming back yet or not have we i know kevin tweets about it like incessantly um as he does most things in general yeah i haven't heard one thing or the other but i mean it's it's got to be cheap enough to produce that it'd be a really Easy. I want to. I don't want to call it filler as a as a negative, but you know, to fill time slots on the on the network and to do it cheaply, I think it's a good good option for him. So uh, I hope it comes back as well. Like I said, I enjoyed the half of the season I saw, and I'd watch more. Indeed. So that is it for our season two wrap up. Uh, we talked about a lot of stuff, and like we said, there's more feedback to get to. We want to get to the a Colin show. We want to we want you to go to the Facebook page and let us know what episodes should we do commentaries for, etc. And of course, now is the time for all that information. You can leave us a voicemail at five one six four six eight seven nine one two, or send us an email comments at walkingdeadtv.com. You can also hear our other shows on our YouTube channel, like Walking Dead TV Podcasts, and check out our Comic-Con videos, contests, and more. Check out HHWLOD.com for all of our great shows, like Half Hour Wasted, Legion of Dudes, PKD Black Box, and Out Now with Aaron and Abe, which has celebrated its 50th episode. Again, congratulations, guys. And also keep an eye out for our less regular shows, like Media Minutes and the newly formed Tech Dudes. Of course, all those shows can be found on Facebook as well. Don't forget, check out ForumForGeeks.com, ForumForGeeks.com, where you can talk about this show and many others. And follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. And so until there's no more room in hell in the dead walk the earth, remember, we'll be here when season three comes around. Have a good week, everybody. Take care. Good night.